Welcome to the Successful Athletes Podcast, the podcast where we interview athletes that have done something exceptional that we can all learn from on the bike, and in this case, in triathlon. And we have a special guest with us, a return guest on the podcast, Norman Bannock from Germany. How are you doing, Norman? I'm fine. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Last time we spoke, we were in Kona, and we were three days before the big day uh, at Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii on in 2019. And you had a particularly good race. You did not quite meet your goal, but it was a super ambitious goal just the same. But you got really close to it. So we want to break that down in this episode here. So uh, before we get any further, you can go to for, or the Trainer Road Forum. Just uh, search for that, trainerroad.com slash forum. And then look for this episode. This will be the episode three of the Successful Athletes Podcast with Norman Bannock. And Bannock is B-A-N-I-C-K. So you can find this and see any links or anything else that we talk about. So, uh, Norman, uh, can you give us a, a, which by the way, if you want to hear all about the lead up, Norman's training and everything else, you can hear all the details on that on the previous episode that we did. If you search for that, you'll be able to find that in our podcast archives for the ask a cycling coach podcast. But, um, really quickly, what training plans did you follow leading up to it? And then, uh, we'll probably get into what your goal was. So first things first plans. Um, I used part of the uh, mid-volume uh, triathlon long-distance plan from TrainRoad. But um, to be quite honest, I, I heavily customized it to my needs. Um, so I changed a bit on, on some workouts. But but in general, it was mostly, um, for example, I there there's one workout in, in, in the schedule and I changed for something that's very similar, but it, it still gets the same objectives. Um, yeah. That's, that's probably uh, what what uh, what it is. That, that's a good point because the plans are there to be adjusted and to make the small adjustments, especially as you learn how your body can adjust to training or how it responds to certain types of training. So that's that's the best way to do it. So you use the mid dist or the mid volume uh, full distance plan, and followed that. You added on some longer rides, some weekend rides and stuff every once in a while. Added on some runs, tweak things uh, for yourself. We followed that and then what was your goal at Kona? Um, the, the goal was uh, to go um, top 100 and well for to achieve that I, I figured I would have to do um, sub nine. It, uh, I think I mentioned it already in the last uh, episode that it especially in Kona there's so much um, variables for example um, the weather and the wind and also but usually if you go sub nine then you can be sure to be in the top 100 mm -hmm. uh, that was the goal and you had raced kona prior to that and i think that you got a 948 i believe was your time that you had um, 941 yeah, yeah 941 28 Exactly. So you had raced it two years prior, and then what's your Ironman PR for people to give them a point uh, of reference? Eight thirty-seven. Super fast. And where was that? That was in, in France uh, in 2018. Awesome. Okay, so that sets the that sets the I guess sets the scene for for the race. So we talked all about the plan that you had, like in the morning, uh, you were going to eat some toast and then go forward. I think maybe some oatmeal, something like that. But let's talk about the race itself and let's start with the swim or I guess race morning. Did everything go according to plan leading up to the race on race morning or had something changed? Well, it, it went a lot better. Um, the, the preparation than last time, because last time, um, 
in, in 2017, we figured that we don't need a car to get to the start. We could just get a taxi. That was a horrible mistake. <laughs> obviously, we can't get a taxi uh, in, on race day morning. So we uh, asked someone on, on the street to, to um, pick us up. And it was just terrible. And this time we had a car. So that was, that was way better. And obviously, because we were there the years before, we knew where to park. And so that wasn't that much problems in general. But other than that, you're obviously always really nervous and um, you check everything twice or even more and like uh, tire pressure and, and all this kind of stuff. And if it's a shame, this is on the, on the right uh, gear. And, but yeah, other than that, it worked kind of well. It, it was a little bit different because this timing cover, they had uh, wave starts for the, for the first time. That was a little bit different, but um, for example, um, you could only go into the water, I think it was five minutes before or so. I'm, I'm not quite sure, hmm. but basically um, when I got into the water and you have to swim for like 200 meters to get to the actual start line, um, I was um, I, I, had, I had some problem with my, with my goggles, with swim goggles. Um, so I basically arrived like 10 seconds before the start. It's actually the start line. And I was a little bit stressful, but uh, I mean, that's nothing compared to the stress if you if you think that you won't even get to the start because you have no car. So yeah, <laughs> horrible. No doubt. So was the, did the wave start allow more room and less crowding in the group, or was it still really crowded? No, no, co compared to, to um, the years ago, it, it was way better. I mean, it's still really crowded because everyone is such a good swimmer. Um, but it's, it's still way, way better than, than, it, than it was before, definitely. So you improved your swim time by, uh, I think, almost four minutes this, this, uh, this time versus the previous. What did you do differently this time to make yourself faster? Um, well... I got this kind of um, swim skin, um, which has this um, special surface, you know, this kind of Teflon surface or so. I'm not quite sure what it is actually. Basically, um, apparently it's, it's faster in the water and from the test I, I tried in, in the pool, actually those, those four minutes are probably just down to the, to the swim skin. So it's, wow. it's mostly that, I guess, but yeah. Other than that, I, uh, it was the first time I actually tried it for a long distance, so I, I was pretty much uh, shaping under the under the yeah. arms. So that was quite annoying as well. It's probably um, yeah, it's something to to uh, figure out before better. Yeah, uh, was that the first time you had tried that on a in a race environment? Yeah, yeah, it was the first time in the race. Uh, I, I tried it a few times at home, but it's it's. Apparently, it's still uh, different with um, yeah, with um, in race conditions. I don't know what what actually happened, but yeah, yeah. So your your swim time was fifty nine forty three, which is a uh, uh, so sub hour swim, and you aren't particularly you, you don't focus on the swim. You don't do much swim training, relatively speaking. You spend more time on the bike and then running as well. Uh, but was the swim, did it go as you expected? And did you learn anything throughout that process or did anything from the swim impact later on? Um, yeah, definitely. I would say, as, as, as I mentioned, the, the swim skin, that was definitely a problem because um, like on the last third of, of the swim, 
um, it, it hurt pretty much with every stroke. Oh. I was that was not that good. And, but other than that, I'm, I'm not quite sure um, if there <laughs> would be more learnings from it. Uh, <laughs> but it, I mean, it, it, it really it really hurt in, in the swim. So that's, um, yeah, that's not so good. And I assume that hurt you later on throughout the rest of the race too? Mm, actually not. You're so pumped up with, uh, with testosterone, I guess. Um, <laughs> but in, in the days after that, Actually, I have a picture of myself uh, when after the race, and it, it was almost bloody under the arms. Oh. And I, I didn't really notice it during the race because you're so pumped up and uh, yeah, focusing on on all the other stuff. But after that, it was oh man, <laughs> this looks horrible. Like someone <laughs> I don't know strangled me or so. Oh no, that's terrible. If you have that yeah. picture, we should put it in the forum. I bet people uh, probably would like not. To see it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> um, uh, in the swim, going through that whole process, uh, or actually coming out of the swim, let's just go straight into T one. Did uh, T one go as expected? Your gear was in the right place. Uh, everything go fine in transition. Oh uh, yeah, that, that went pretty smooth. Um, I had um, my my bike was uh, parked right up. You, you remember this huge bottle in, in the? It, yeah. it was like one meter besides it, uh, so that was pretty easy to find. You don't <laughs> have to go those endless rows. You just focus the, the I don't know fifty meter bottle or so, and uh, there you go. That was that was pretty easy. So but, that's the large like nose cone bottle that you have on your giant Trinity, correct? No, no, no. I mean, that was for, from from the sponsors. That I, was oh, that's right. Created, uh, bottle. I don't know what kind of brand it was, mm-hmm. but um, if if you um, see pictures of the transition, you can see this. I don't know. It's, it's really like ten meters high or so, mm-hmm. and so that was pretty easy to find. Nice, awesome. Uh, actually, going back to the swim, one thing I forgot. Did you try to swim with a group? Did you try to swim with just alone? How did you manage your pacing? Um, well, with, with so many athletes, um, there was always some kind of group and, and don't really remember that there was, um, some time where I was completely alone. Sometimes I, I drifted to the side a bit. Um, but other than that, there was always, always people around. I mean, like this, uh, well, one hour mark is there are so many athletes around. So probably if you go way slower, or if you go way, uh, faster than than you have to check for groups but in my area it's 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 pretty comfortable so was it crowded coming out of the water then you were with a lot of other athletes yeah yeah it, it was definitely crowded but um well because of the the wave starts um the the biking was was still pretty fair i mean i i had the impression if you want to go um like totally draft uh legal then, then you could actually do that. Maybe not on on the first climb to the to the um, to the first turnaround, but other than that, after that it was if you wanted to go um, within the rules, and it wasn't a problem. So huh. nothing like compared to the years before, where where they were like I don't know. It looked like the Tour de France, <laughs> if they had time trial bikes. <laughs> right so a nerdy detail but you mentioned making sure that your bike was in the right gear when you started and the reason that's important at kona is because you start right up a hill first thing do you did you start in your little ring or did you start in your big ring because i've saw both from different athletes Mm, i think i went with um the the small ring and 
I mean, sometimes it's a bit dangerous, you know, because uh, the chain can fall off. But um, I don't know. Otherwise, you have to have to probably switch right um, after you get your after your trip in. So mm -hmm. uh, that was that was better for me, and it's it's pretty steep. I mean, um, if you don't want to uh, push, I don't know, crazy numbers of watts uh, with a ridiculously low uh, cadence, and yeah, yeah, basically right out of the gate you'd have the opportunity to put down 700 watts or something like that uh, without mm. much difficulty at all just because it's that steep and and that would be starting off on the wrong foot i mean looking at your max power for the day on the bike uh, the max power that you hit was 467 and it looked like that was just at the turnaround point basically right when you turned around at javi you just had a quick little spot and then after that you settled right in so um it, it shows that you know that's Granted, when you look at the actual numbers, though, outside of the max, a uh, normalized power of 235 and an average power of 226. So pretty close, pretty tightly spaced considering the wind and everything else. Overall, we'll get into the details on the bike now, but overall, how did the bike go according to your plan? I know that you had mentioned that you had averaged somewhere around like 240 watts or maybe normalized yeah. power of 240 at Vici, but, you know, Kona is a different beast. Yeah. Also, I was I was pretty much completely hammered on the last uh, I don't know hour or so. So um, when when I always looked on when, when I looked on the, the bike computer, I was like, oh damn, it's so low. And, <laughs> <laughs> but but we, there's there's not much you can do. Um, on, the, on the last part, I was it felt like I was rewheeling like half of the time. Obviously, it wasn't really like that, but but still, it, the, the last part felt pretty horrible. Um, <laughs> But other than that, I had a lot more fun because um, the, the bike was once so crowded. And mm. um, well, you, you could go fast, as I, as I mentioned. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You, so your time this year was 4.49.16. And then the previous time you rode at Kona, it was 4.55.36. So you cut time out of that as well. Um, I'm not sure what your power was the previous year, but uh, this year it looks like you kept it pretty steady. Uh, and interestingly, if you look at actually like the max speed that you had, which is actually pretty darn high. So in terms of miles per hour, it's 48.3 miles an hour. So that's somewhere around 75-ish, 70, like 77 yeah. maybe kilometers an hour. So that's like... That's pretty fast. And interestingly, the spot that it actually came in was when you were dropping into Kauai High. It's kind of like that junction where you start the climb to Javi. Was it really windy in that section or was it just the downhill? Uh, because, man, you really, that, that's really fast, 50 miles an hour. Um, as far as I remember, it, it, was, it was pretty hilly. Uh, it, it was pretty uh, windy before that, but going downhill, it, it was kind of okay. And I, I didn't have to have to break because of, of other competitors. So um, yeah, there was pretty much a lot of space and you could go, go really low and, and fast. But like a few meters before that, before you go around that, that left corner, it was super windy and I was like almost like at this angle on my bike. And, <laughs> and sometimes, it, you know, the you, you feel like, well, I, I can't even, I can't even pedal right now because, and I will go, uh, right into the, the, uh, the dust on the right. But um, it's, it's, it's really, it really depends um, on, on the current wind situation, then you can change from minute to minute. So 
but yeah, at, the, the, at that spot, um, it was pretty okay. So otherwise, I wouldn't have uh, that speed. Yeah. How did you manage your pacing with the wind? Did you stick to a power target or were you trying to hold a speed uh, throughout the windy sections and hills? No, no, I definitely uh, went for, for power targets. Um, it's usually, uh, I mean, you probably know best bike speed as well. Mm-hmm. And it's usually when you have um, headwind, you go a little bit um, up with, with a wattage and also when you go uphill. And I mean, I, I don't have the exact numbers on, on my computer, but um, it's just, you know, like 10% more or so uh, on, on headwind and yeah, like that. But other than that, as I said, if, if it's really dangerous with um, side winds, then, then you, can't, you, you can't do it anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to go uh, as, as, as it goes. For those that are curious about your equipment, you can go back and listen once again to the previous episode we recorded with Norman uh, prior to Kona because we went in depth into that. But you were on a size medium giant Trinity Advanced and you had... Um, you had some fairly deep section wheels. How deep were they? Um, 60 millimeters on the front and 90 on the, the rear wheel. Yep. And then you were also running a specialized TT aero helmet and you were running the specialized uh, road shoes, the ones with the Boa dials. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you had a skin suit from a German company, I believe. Uh, what, which yep. company was that? Uh, it's called PA Suits. PA suits. Okay, cool. What gearing were you running on the chain ring and then also in the back? Um, it's 52, 39 and 11, 26 on the back. Yeah. Perfect. And then what, uh, how did you put your Garmin on your bike? Because uh, it can be, were you just using a watch or did you have a bike computer? Oh, no, no, I, I have a bike computer and it's, it's right between uh, the arms. Um, uh, right, um, well, be behind my hands, basically. So they're shielded from the wind, and also I, I don't have to have to look down, so I can see the numbers. So it's always right in my uh, field of vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have a fairly fairly low hand position compared to many athletes. Uh, not not you know dramatically low, but fairly lower. And we went into details on that, but that was just you making adjustments to see what you felt like you still had control, but then still felt reasonably fast for an amount of power. So. You can check out Norman's bike and everything else. We have all the details there on that previous podcast episode. You can check that out. So your nutrition plan as well. I think that you had that large nose cone bottle, like hydration section in the front, Mm -hmm. and that was full of a proprietary mix that you had made up, just your own mix. What was that nutrition mix and how did that go according to from your plan to your actual uh, nutrition strategy? Oh, it, it went uh, completely uh, as planned. It, it's, um, it's some kind of juice, then uh, nitrodextrin, and um, well, some lemon juice as well, and some, some bit of salt, and that's it, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I, I actually um, posted the, the link to the recipe on, on the forums. On the, if you look up the, the thread uh, back then, uh, there was some some kind of if you um, want that amount of uh, carbohydrates for that amount of uh, time, then um, you mix it up like like that. It's some kind of Excel table. Awesome. But uh, I, th- I think I, I mix it up for like ninety carbohydrates grams uh, 
per hour and it, it went pretty well. I, I think I, I drank almost uh, everything of it. So there wasn't a lot of it left. And I, I used it for several uh, races already. Hmm. Um, the, the France, uh, my, my PRs as well, and like several middle distance uh, races. And I feel um, that I'm, I'm quite used to it. Obviously, uh, I use it in um, for, for training as well. Sometimes when, when they're um, tough workouts, you need the carbohydrates. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite good tested for me and um, works pretty well. Yeah, and your gut handled it. You didn't get sick or anything from it, right? No, no. Um, I mean, on, on the bike, um, it's it's usually not much of a problem anyway because uh, well, you're, you're not running, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you're running, it's, it's sometimes it can be a bit tricky. Um, but yeah, on the bike, it's, it's usually never a problem. So that was probably somewhere around 1900 calories you took in, um, for throughout the course of the bike, at least through the mix. And that was a two to one glucose to fructose ratio roughly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, did you take in any sort of neutral aid at any point, or did you have special needs bags that you picked up at all on the bike? Um, I, I had a special needs bag, but I, I figured um, if I, I need more more um, from from the energy gel, um, I just place uh, another bottle of it, and I, I could refill um, on on the bike. But I, I didn't really need it, so I, I left it in the bag. I mean, sometimes I grabbed a bottle of uh, a Coke, Coca Cola, uh, and but it, it's mostly just for the taste. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's just water. So did you, when did you decide to deviate from the 240 watt plan? Like, did you just feel like, uh, I don't know if I can hold it. So you just stuck low from the beginning or did you try to hold it and then you relented and just rode where you could? How did that decision yeah. process go out? It, it was, it was definitely the, the second, um, <laughs> I, I started, um, feeling pretty well, but <laughs> that, that's usually how it goes, I guess, in, in, during an Ironman. And after a while, it was, yeah, well, probably like 230 kilometers or so. Then I, I was pretty much handled. And I, I well, the, I mean, how, how it usually is, you just can't push it anymore and the legs are hurting and you think you still have to run a marathon. <laughs> and especially in, in, in Kona, um, it's, it's super hot and windy. And yeah, so um, I, at, at some point, I just figured that I can't push it anymore. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's usually how it goes. And then at that point, were you riding on feel or did you kind of go, okay, well, it feels like I can push 220 to 30. So I'll just try to stick to that number. Or did you just purely go off of feel? No, no, it, it was, I, I just tried to, to lower it a bit and well, looked at how it feels. If it feels like I could sustain that for the, for the rest of the ride. And yeah. Awesome. I mean, usually if, if you do long rides and sometimes you, you have a bad day, then, I mean, you, you develop the kind of feeling for, for your legs and, um, I, I can't even really explain it. Just, I mean, it's, it's still, you, you see the numbers and you try to be consistent, consistent with, with the number, but, um, yeah, so it's, a, I guess a little bit of both, but it's not like at one point I go for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 300 Watts and then the other, I'm rewheeling. It's just, you know, stay in the, in the middle. 
you did a good job of sticking to your goal too throughout the climb to Javi, which is like an easy spot, another easy spot to, to work yourself a little too hard. And then it's really tough coming back. Uh, throughout that section there, you just stuck basically like right on target. It was one of the most consistent points of where you were climbing and, and sticking to, and you drifted up a bit, but that's natural on the climb. Like you said, with climbs and wind, you'd let yourself drift up around 10%. So you drifted up a bit there, but you didn't go too far coming back down on that hill was that's where a lot of people talk about the crazy winds and sometimes the wind shifts and change things. And we didn't know how that would work with a waved start, but how was the wind coming down from Javi and did you do anything to be more successful in it? Um, we, before the race, um, my, my training mate and then I, we were, um, I think we, we did it two times before because as, as I said, it can be quite dangerous actually. And if, if you watch Lionel Sanders, like, I don't know, a few years ago, and he, he almost, uh, he almost did a full stop. At least it seems so. The, the others were like totally full speed and, and you, you can actually lose a, a lot of time in, in, in the descent. So we, we, um, did it a few times and in the days before I, I felt at least for me, it, it felt kind of unsafe to go on, on the extensions. So I usually try to, to hold the brakes and go really low as well. With, with with my head on the on the extensions more or less, mm-hmm. but you you can still have, have a little bit more stability because you have the, your your arms on the outside and you can still break. But um, on the day of, of the race or right at the moment where when I went downhill there, um, there wasn't a lot of, of wind and I I remember I could even uh, pass quite some some other athletes, um, so. Um, before I wasn't really sure what what, what I should do, but <clears throat> during the race it, it felt kind of safe and not a lot, not a lot of wins. But you have sometimes where you I don't know you don't feel that you can go actually safe <laughs> down there. But, yeah, uh, that was good times this 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 time. Awesome. Uh, coming back on the bike, was there any like a was there a particularly difficult section? I. I remember it being extremely hot and windy. I was out on course in that section, uh, kind of out toward the airport and it was impressively hot and windy. And a lot of riders looked like that headwind in their face was hurting. Was there anything that surprised you toward the end or was particularly difficult? Uh, I wouldn't say it, it, it surprised me. It was just, I was so tired at, at the end of the race and, um, I, I feel, I felt kind of miserable. So, um, that was, that was pretty tough. And also, um, you go like straight ahead for, for a lot of time and there are not that many people around where you can maybe, uh, try to stick with them. So, so it's mostly riding alone and that's, it, it can be tough after five hours of racing when you're totally alone. And yeah, I mean, but that's, it's mostly mental. I think for me, at least, um, that you have to um, keep keep keeps the focus and this kind of stuff. Yeah. That, that can be tough sometimes. Yeah, no doubt. So looking back at your, your race, 18% of your time was spent, uh, between zone one and then coasting time, which you had five minutes and 21 seconds of coast time, um, through on the bike. And I assume that that was like, you know, on downhills and particularly like those, the, you know, in those sections, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had 77% of your time was in between zone two and zone three. 
So that makes sense uh, with the majority of that being in zone two. So two hours and 39 minutes down there in zone two uh, within that. And then you only had 5% of your time was sweet spot and above. Uh, so that's a, a small section. So you had just under nine minutes uh, at sweet spot and then just over four minutes at around threshold throughout the whole course. And that's not meaning that you rode at four minutes at threshold for a short period of time. It's just all the little times where you drift into that zone is just added up in in a cumulative way. So that's very impressive pacing over that whole, you know, that whole bike split. And it's pretty darn long. I mean, 449.16, was it tough to stay in aero position the whole time? And did you do anything to make that easier? Um, I mean, you you don't stay in it the whole time. Um, in, in that in that race, um, as it's it, it has a lot of uphills, so you can actually go on on the base bar uh, quite regularly. I, I would say um, there are definitely other races where where you should be really nailed in the position. So so it's not that tough. I mean, in, in the end, on on the last few kilometers, um, it, it it gets tougher, obviously. But in general, um, if it it, it it could be worse, definitely. It could be worse if, if there would be like a pen flight uh, course then then um definitely would have been different i mean um if you go out of the position like every i don't know 15 minutes or so or for like i don't know a few seconds then that's quite a relief at least for me and um that makes it a lot easier hmm. but as, as as you uh, as you know um if you stay um uh, in the position as much as possible it's, it's definitely faster yeah. So this, at this point coming off of the bike, coming into T2, you were feeling really rough. You mentioned, he said it was really hard. Uh, mm. did you think that you were going to hit your goal or how did, how, were you readjusting? What, what was your, what was your approach? Um, I, I felt, um, that uh, the goal is, is still in sight because, um, when I think at kilometer set well nine or so, there, there's a turnaround on, on the run, and I, I could see well I I know some of the really fast guys, and I, I could see some of them like being I don't, know, I don't know kilometer in front of me, and so it was I, I really felt um, well this is definitely um, possible, and um, um, even though I, I feel not so great anymore, <laughs> I, I could I can still do it. Um, yeah, uh, that was probably my, my, my thoughts right well, uh, at the beginning of the run. What was your goal pace for the run? And was that going to vary or did you have like a, a set pace you're going to try to hold or did you plan to adjust for hills and everything else? Yeah, I, I would definitely adjust for hills. Um, but the, the plan was like a 310 marathon or so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like four. 25 or so per kilometer. Yeah. I'm not sure what, what's in miles. I don't know. Yeah. So that's if you're around 425, that's probably somewhere around like seven, probably around a seven minute pace, uh, seven minute yeah. mile pace. I think I may be totally wrong. If so, let me know in the comments below. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I think it's somewhere around seven minute pace, which is, I mean, honestly, I say this every time at Kona, but it's hard to even watch, like just standing on the side of the course, it's so hot. So seven minute pace is really fast. How much did you change that going uphill, for example? Um, it, it really depends on the hills. Um, on the, on, on the first part, there are some, some really steep hills, like at kilometer three or so. 
And um, then I, I try to, uh, well, similar to, to, to the bike, I, I try to go a bit up with, with, uh, with my heart rate and uh, the effort, but not too much. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably it. But that's actually um, completely by, by, by feel. I, I watch the, um, um, the, the, um, the, the times on, on, on the watch, obviously, but I don't really pay that much uh, attention to it. It's mostly by feel. Hmm. With your with your nutrition strategy on the bike, everything being in that nose cone bottle, what did you plan to drink on the run? The same stuff, or did you plan to eat anything or take neutral bottles? What was your nutrition plan? Um, it, it, it it was the same stuff, but with less uh, carbohydrates. Uh, it was around fifty to sixty, um, and I had it in, in small bottles that I could put um, into the back of my my suit, and I had a second one. At the special needs, so I could um, I don't have to bring everything with me right on the start. Yeah, that was the plan, and, and it, it, it worked pretty well as well. As, as well. I'm, <laughs> as I said, I'm, I'm, I got kind of used to it. Sometimes you have to adjust a bit because, especially like in Kona, it's it's really hot, and you try to to drink maybe a bit more, um, but but other but then again you have too much carbohydrates in in your stomach and it's it's kind of hard to 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 uh, handle sometimes mm. um, to balance it out between uh, the thirst and um, the need for energy so it's a bit yeah well, sometimes it works better than other times did you feel that you were running out of because you had to reduce your intake level did you feel that you were running out of energy toward the end of the run or yeah. uh, did you feel like you were you maintained that no no uh, it's uh, it definitely ran out of energy I'm not sure if I could just uh, take in more and still um, and still hold the, the the speed, but I definitely ran out of energy at um, like kilometer thirty or so. I had um, lots of parts where I had to walk because I was I was uh, yeah well completely out of energy. It, it, it wasn't well. It was partly uh, a problem with with heat management, but uh, mostly energy. I think. How did you manage the heat on, on the course? <laughs> or I guess fight against the heat because <laughs> it's tough to manage it when it's so hot. Um, what, what works for me is that, um, you know, they have those kind of ice cubes um, at every aid station. I try to put them in, in my sleeves and back in, in, in the suit and all this kind of stuff. And I usually try to, um, to um, take, I don't know, like 30 seconds, stay at the aid station and get everything uh, I, I can. Um, because it's it's so hot and always get some kind of water you can throw over your head and put ice cubes in, in the head and this kind of stuff. Yeah. How many aid station stops did you make throughout the run? Um, every, I guess. Every one of them, yeah. yeah. Smart. Uh, so it, when, you, uh, when you're looking at your pace, are you including the stoppage time that you have in those aid stations or just your running time? Do you know? Um... No, no, I, I, I didn't stop the time when, when I was walking. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So I might as well, right? They don't stop the race for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you are running in the Vaporfly 4%, I believe the, the, the kind of like salmon red colored, uh, shoes that they have. Uh, yeah. was that, did you, were you happy with your equipment choice, everything from hat to everything through, or would you have made any changes in terms of what you were wearing during the run? 
Um, no, it, it, it went pretty good on, on the run. I'm, I'm really, I really like the shoes. Um, there, I, I thought about getting the, the next percentage, which is apparently even faster. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It, it, I, I didn't go for it. And when, when I, when I raced the, the other shoes before, I, I felt really good with it. So it wasn't, I don't know. I, I didn't want to change shoes, uh, last, last minute before the race, mm. but other than that, um, the suit, well, it was, as I, as I mentioned, it was um, shaping under the arms a bit, but yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't happen in, in other races, so I'm, I'm not quite sure um, on, on, on what it actually depends, if it's maybe um, the salt or, I don't know, from the heat, not mm -hmm. quite sure. But um, yeah, happens, I guess. What was the hardest part of the run for you? Was it early on on a Lee drive where it's nice and humid or was it later on into the energy lab or on the highway? Yeah, it was, it was in the energy lab. It, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, when I raced the first time, I, I didn't really feel that, um, it, it was that tough. And it, I, mean, you, I mean, you see all those, uh, stories about how the energy lab destroys everyone and when, when I ran it first time um, in 2017, I felt like, well, this is tough, but um, those first few kilometers along the shore felt felt even tougher for me because it was so, so humid. But um, this time it, it was completely other way around. I was um, going down um, the energy lab. It was kind of okay, I guess, but going up again, I was completely destroyed. I had to walk uh, several meters and um but it, it was mostly um due to each energy i think hmm. yeah. yeah that 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 section looks terrible um <laughs> uh with your with your run pace just to give people an idea so the previous time you did kona you did 334 53 so that's about an eight minute 12 uh mile pace if you're looking at like miles per uh or minutes per mile and then i guess I'm going to reference a chart I have here. That's like what, somewhere around like five and a half probably or five. Yeah. Somewhere around five and a half, um, minutes per yeah. kilometer, somewhere around there. Probably. And so that's what you averaged the last time. Now this time you did a three fifteen oh nine. uh, that was your run time and you did a seven twenty seven mile split on that. So that's getting, uh, you know, a whole lot closer to that's looking at like, you know, around four five, uh, four and a half, somewhere around there. So, uh, serious reduction in time. What, uh, why were you faster this time? What did you do differently? Um, well, I think mostly because, um, I'm a way better runner now, um, compared to two years ago. Um, even my, my solo times in running, uh, increased quite a lot. And I mean, that, that's, that's at least, I think that's, uh, the biggest contributor to that, um, that I was, I was way faster back then. Uh, way, way, way slower um, in my solo times, but um, also um, that I, I know the the race now, and uh, I knew um, probably how to how to adjust with the heat a little bit better, and um, yeah, that, that definitely um, gained some some minutes probably as well. Hmm. Uh, so it's it's probably those those two things that uh, contribute the most heat management and. Well, being, being a better runner. <laughs> was there anything in particular that you be you became better at? Was it? Did you focus on technique? 
Was it just more time training and as a result getting better equipment? Mm, well, maybe maybe the shoes, but I'm, I'm not quite sure about that. But um, also just uh, training more um, consistent and uh, well, partly more miles as well. Um, yeah, but I'm not not really focusing so much on techniques to be honest. Um, but they yeah, are just running consistently, um, like uh, also really, really tough workouts, like not going for um, slow walks all the time, but, but also like serious uh, intervals and, and this kind of stuff that, uh, that um, yeah, yeah, made me a better runner, definitely. It takes time to build, uh, you know, yeah. it takes years to do that. So your time was a 9.11.09, which is super impressive. Uh, compared to your previous time, 941.28, uh, even more impressive. And you got so close to doing your sub nine goal, uh, which is, which has got to be, uh, to have been pretty tough, but at the same time, uh, I'm sure you were satisfied. At least now you can look back and be satisfied. What was your overall feeling with your race? Were you satisfied? Um, well, partly I would say, um, I mean, I, I, I totally wanted to do this as a top 100 and, um, well, because two um, competitors were disqualified uh, by now. <laughs> I'm like 200 second now, I think. Yeah, you should be because you were 105th before uh, uh, overall. So, so close. So, um, three, three guys got caught because of doping, I think, uh -huh. or got disqualified for other reasons. I'm not. Um, so, um, yeah, I stepped up <laughs> even uh. on spot, but it, it's still not the top 100. That's, that kind of annoys me. But um, other than that, I mean, um, I'm from uh, Central Europe, so I'm, I'm not really used to those crazy temperatures and uh, humidity. I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if I can be a, a lot better. I mean, I, I felt like um, if, if I would have done uh, it at, uh, well, temperatures I'm used to, I, I could be way faster. But mm. I mean, it's, it's, in, it's in Kona, so yeah. You mentioned um, you mentioned that you did some heat training with uh, going into an extremely hot bath uh, post training and doing that a few times per week leading up to it. Did you feel that you were more adapted to the heat on race day? Because the the temperature conditions were actually really similar from 2017 to 2019. But did you feel that you were more adapted to the heat? Yeah, definitely. I would I would totally say so. Um, I, I as, as you mentioned, I, I did this um, first. I, I did a workout. And after that, um, I, um, I went into a, a hot bath and at least um, from my, from what I, I, I remembered in the years before, I felt, um, that it, it was way more, way, way tough on me, the, the, the temperature and the humidity. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's still tough obviously, but, um, it, it felt way more, way more manageable. Hmm. Now I would totally, um, suggest that to others, it's a, um, they don't have, um, the possibility to go in, into a, like a proper heat chamber or so, um, yeah, that, awesome. that worked quite out for me. Not many athletes have had the chance to finish and, and have been able to work so hard and done everything that you did to finish so well at Kona to, for two times like that, uh, especially on this last one, getting very close to cracking the top 100. What did you learn in the process of going back for your second one that you would share with somebody else that wants to go race Kona? If you were to give them advice that, 
you know, really key things for that race in particular, what should they do? You mean if, if they already qualified? Sure. Let's assume they qualified. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, probably number one spot. Um, but it, it, it also depends if you want to go for, for, for the top or if you want to, well, basically survive. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's two different goals. But um, in general, if you have the time um, to do the, the, heat, the heat adaption, that's, that was totally worth it. And I mean, it, it doesn't even cost any money. You just uh, put in uh, lots, lots of hot water into your into the best tube. And I mean, it's, it, it takes like maybe 20 minutes or so. Uh, but, but other than that, it's, it's really cheap. And it, at, at least for me, um, that was a huge benefit. Hmm. Um, that is probably one, one big point. Also, I would say um, if, you, um, if you're from Europe or from, I don't know, Australia or so, and you have a huge uh, time zone difference. Um, if you go uh, <laughs> probably more more than uh, seven days before um, to Jacona, that's a huge benefit as well. Because um, for, for the first time in seven, uh, 2017, uh, we went there like six days before or so, and that felt, felt really tough as well. Basically, um, we were getting up at, I don't know, 4 a.m. in the morning almost every day except the day before the race hmm. because of the um, jet lag and this kind of stuff and yeah so if you come come there early uh, well obviously that's that's probably not so easy to do for, for most of the people because of uh, holidays and yeah and it's expensive obviously mm -hmm. um but that's also really really useful getting uh, used to the the uh, well the heat yeah no doubt. Also, you can you can uh, reckon the, um, the, the the course, which is kind of useful as well. I mean, it's it's not so not so difficult in, in, in like steering or so because you're just going straight ahead from like <laughs> four, four to five hours, or, or like I don't know six hours. Yeah. But um, but still, you know, sometimes you you get the feeling for for the wind, um, where you should. Um, uh, pay some attention yeah mm -hmm. yeah no doubt well thanks norman this is awesome hopefully people still have additional questions and they can jump into the forum and ask you and there will be a specific thread for this this will this is episode three of the successful athletes podcast and if you want to come on the successful athletes podcast you should let me know too you can just jump on and email me it's jonathan at trainerroad.com if you have a story where you feel like you've been particularly successful it doesn't have to be a race win uh, could be something even tangentially related to results, but if you feel like it's an improvement or something that's been uh, you've been successful, and then let me know because uh, it'd be fun to have you on the podcast here, uh, Norman. This has been awesome. Uh, and can people? I guess they'll they'll catch up with you on the forum. That's probably the best place to to find you, get in touch with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm usually quite an uh, avid forum reader because there's some uh, so much uh, really useful stuff out there. Um, yeah, I should be, should be quite reachable there. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, everybody. And we will talk to you on the next episode. See you then. Bye.